0: Quad Vancouver, pre game, post game, every game presented by Bodog from Sports Odds to free casino games make a play at Bodog.net. Wadden and JPAT here with you. Another edition of the Summer Series Pods as we take a look at some breakout candidates this time around. JPAT, we're also going to talk about some milestones that you've sort of circled for Canucks players. And, uh, well, we have a retirement from an ex Canuck, but uh, let's start with breakout candidates. Well, wait, for this wait, year wait, 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 wait,
1: wait. Just like what? You smell that? Yeah. It's heading into an August long weekend. Ah, hockey! You can smell it. Well, September—we can say it's next yes. month now. Like next month, <laughs> the countdown is on. Young stars and you know training camp and Rick Tockett getting all these guys back early. Are they back? It's August now. Like they should be back in town. Uh, I don't think they are, but uh, anyways, yeah, I mean, look, time marches on, not a whole lot happening, it kind of feels like the Canucks have gone into hiding as an organization. Uh, I'm not expecting a whole lot of news here, although Patrick Galvin has surprised us on some long weekends, so uh, <laughs> don't think that we're... Ready for an Elias Petterson extension? I mean, some people are, but I don't think we're going to get it on this long weekend. Uh, but yeah, I mean, look, it is summertime. Things have slowed down for the most part around the National Hockey League, but that's not going to stop us once a week here on Rinkwide. So hopefully uh, a little bit of long long weekend listening uh, for our Rinkwide uh, supporters. When I think of Rick
0: Talkett in the summer, I think of him as that meme with the guy in the yellow suit where he's behind the trees, like sort of rubbing <laughs> his hands together, like watching the Canucks training. <laughs> <laughs> standing out at
1: YVR arrivals. <laughs> Just <laughs> Got a clipboard, <laughs> rubbing his hands together. I hope he has that
0: yellow suit. Where's Miller? <laughs> <laughs> well, he'll like this though, because uh, he's going to want to see some of his players break out this year. So you and I have sort of circled a couple of guys that we've gotten the crosshairs that we think are going to be breakout candidates for the Canucks this season. Now, there's many that are hoping that there's going to be multiple players that break out this year and get the Canucks essentially back into the postseason, but uh, I'll let you go first. I'm curious to who you have on your list because, again, there's a lot of candidates here, but who do you got circled as the guy that you think is going to break out for the Canucks?
1: Right, and I've got a guy here, but it comes to a caveat in that I wrote at the Hockey News last week that Thatcher Demko was both a bounce-back and a breakout candidate, and so I, I do think that Demko is a guy... Like, what I think breakout... You know, Elias Pedersen had his breakout season last year, 102 points. You know, can he go above that? Possibly. But he's not going to go to 140. Like, last year was his breakout season. He became the player that I think we all thought he could be. Quinn Hughes has done it for a couple of seasons now. Again, can he top what he's done? Sure. But he's not going to get to 120 points as a defenseman. That's just not going to happen. Like, he's broken out. JT Miller's 99-point season. You know Kuzmenko with almost 40 goals in his first year in the National Hockey League. Again, it's possible that he could top that, but last year was Kuzmenko's breakout season. I think Thatcher Demko, with that parameter in mind, Demko two years ago was terrific, but I still think there's room for growth. I think he can post the kind of season that truly gets him into the Vesna conversation. So... You know, thatcher is probably my answer. But if we're looking at skaters, I've got a different guy in mind. And that's Anthony Beauvillier uh, for a couple of reasons. One is, who's going to play on that line with Pedersen and Kuzmenko? And Anthony Beauvillier started there after the trade. Didn't look out of place right away. Scored nine goals in 33 games as a Canuck. Now, over 82 games, that's a 22-goal pace. But if he's playing with Pedersen... For the entire season, and he gets power play time. I gotta think that a 25 goal season uh, would be possible for him. Now that would be a breakout because he had 21 as a rookie with the Islanders. He hasn't crested 20 goals since. Has had three seasons of 18 goals, including last year. Uh, And last year was wild, really, when you think about the trade. He had nine goals and 11 assists in 20 games as a Canuck. He had nine goals and 11 assists in and 20 points. In 49 games with the Islanders, so he had identical point totals. Played more for the Isles than he did for the Canucks, but Canucks scored more than the Islanders did. So it's not a huge surprise that uh, he was able to match his point total in in fewer games. Uh, all of that said, you know, I think for him to have the breakout season, well, keep in mind too, it's a contract year, and we know how that works uh, so often in hockey. So, you know, if Bovillier played a full season alongside Pedersen and Kuzmenko. I think it's possible that he could be a 25 and 25, sort of a 50-point guy for the Vancouver Canucks. You know, I'm not looking at him being a 75-point guy. I don't think that's going to happen for him. But if he gets that opportunity to start in that, like, grade A position on this hockey club, he's going to have to produce and he's going to have to hold up his end of the bargain. And we know at times down the stretch there that Rick Tockett kind of cracked the whip. There were some games where he pulled him off that line. He wasn't thrilled with his battle level, his compete. Talked about needing somebody that was going to get in on the forecheck and turn pucks over so that Elias Petterson could go to work. So, you know, there's a fair bit on Beauvillier. But just in terms of that, like, opportunity that's there, somebody is going to play the right side with Elias Pedersen. And if it's Anthony Beauvillier, well, I don't care who it is. I mean, maybe that would have been my, my simple answer. Whoever plays with Pedersen is setting themselves up then to have their breakout season. But I do see a path forward that Anthony Beauvillier could be that breakout guy if he's there all season long. Now, if they use him as a trade chip or the deadline, if they don't have any plans on keeping him beyond this season, Sure. Uh, that's going to cut into his point totals as a member of the Vancouver Canucks. But Beauvillier is a guy that certainly I'm keeping an eye on. Really going to be curious to see where does he start training camp? Where does he play in the preseason? Is he going to get a look on the the team's top line?
0: I think if you're playing in the top six, you got to be better than half a point a a game player. And that's what Anthony Beauvillier was last year. So definitely going to have to have breakout totals to be able to, in my opinion, remain in a top six position on any really NHL team. You want to have a guy that's going at least you know, at a rate of 0.6 or, or yep. more, I think, uh, uh, in points per game there. So, yeah, there's definitely a lot of pressure on Anthony Beauvillier because, A, you know, where does he think that he 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 stands with this organization right now? Like, does he believe that if he does break out, if he is able to sort of take that next step, is there a contract from the Vancouver Canucks? He's 26 years old right now. Or is or his sight set just on, you know, hey, I'm UFA at the end of this year. There's a good chance that this team's going to move me at a deadline. I might get a a chance to make a playoff run uh, with somebody. So there's sort of two minds, if you will, uh, with Anthony Beauvillier as he goes into this season. But you're right. The, the
1: opportunity is plum for number 72. Yeah. And I just think, too, when you think of the glut of wingers that they've got, they've got, you know, that's a position of, Depth, certainly. I don't know if it's a position of strength because their best players are down the middle uh, and on defense. But you know, when you've got, um, you know, whether it's Danila Klimovic, whether it's Jonathan Le-Karamaki, uh, you know, guys that haven't even touched the NHL yet, but they also play that position, you know, you hope that they can grow and develop a first and a second round pick for the Vancouver Canucks. I'm not sure that Bovillier is long term in the organization's. Uh, sites like I, I I do think that you know their best interest is him having a good season pump up that value and maybe pedal him at the at the deadline and see you know and, and that doesn't even begin to talk about Pod Coulson and Hoaglander, two guys that you know want to get that played in the NHL and want to secure full-time employment and then Klimovich and, and LaKaramaki are still you know probably a year uh and that best away so yeah I, I, you know, I I don't see the Canucks locking up Anthony Beauvillier to any sort of long term contract, but it is in their best interest that you know he's in a position to succeed, that he does succeed, that he scores, and then you've got uh, possibilities in and around the trade deadline. Well, I guess
0: that all depends on too. If you if you look at players like the Karamaiki, uh, Klimovic, and just you, know, you think how long away are they? But also too, if you're Anthony Beauvillier, yeah. you're not probably looking for you know a three year, two year contract. Uh, when you're going into your UFA year, you're going to want to try to hit a home run and try to get more years than that. So yeah, I think you're right though, in terms of, uh, the opportunity is definitely there for Anthony Bovillier to have that breakout season and we'll see if he does. And if he does, maybe he'll cash in next summer, perhaps not with the Vancouver Canucks. Now you talked about a guy playing with that on that top line with Patterson and Kuzmenko. Well, this guy played a lot with them before Anthony Bovillier showed up. Uh, in Vancouver last year. Ilya Mikheyev is my breakout candidate. And of course, he had the injury last year, so we're worried about that, especially when it comes to his speed. It was a knee injury. We know that uh, that could just hinder it. It was one of his strengths that he is one of the fastest guys in the NHL. But let's just look at the pure facts from last year. He was on pace for 49 points. That would have set a career high. He was at 32 uh, his previous career high. He was on pace for 23 goals, 21s his career high there. He was averaging close to two minutes more per game on the ice than he did in his previous uh, stop in Toronto there. And of course, as expected, uh, he'll be in the top six with the Canucks this year. Now, uh, again, opportunity is the same thing that we talk about with Anthony Bovillier uh, for Mikheyev. He's definitely going to get that, but at the same time too, like what is the best guy to play with Kuzmenko and Patterson? Cause as we've seen that duo is a lock. And when you're putting up numbers like they did last year, you know, is it better? Is it Bovillier? Is it Mikhaev? Is it deeper than that? And maybe someone like Connor Garland, Vasily pod perhaps even Nils Hoaglander. I don't know right now. But to me, I think Mikheyev's in the right position to take over that spot. And I think he's also in the right position to have a breakout season.
1: Yeah, and that's a good choice. And, and it's quite possible that he does get reunited with the Kuzmenko and Pedersen. And they had some success. Look, this guy had 13 goals and 28 points in 46 games at way less than 100%, as we know now, uh, that they had to shut him down. So, you know, fairly productive in a limited amount of games uh, and also at less than full health. Now... Could I see him establishing a career high for goals and points if he's put in that position? Absolutely. But you know what? I'd like to see him establish a career high in games played. Has never never (laughs) played more than 54 games in a season. And that was two years ago in Toronto. Coming off a serious injury, is he going to be able to get that top gear back right away? Is he going to have to ease into things? Because the NHL is not a league where you want to ease into anything. Um, You know, the other thing too is some people would probably point to inflated shooting percentage uh, 14.3%, but he matched, that's two years in a row that it's been 14 points, so, so you can't say it's a one-off. You know, has it been higher than league average? Absolutely, uh, but he scored 21 in Toronto, 13 last year in limited action, um, but if you're playing with Pedersen, Kuzmenko showed, like, you're going to get the puck in positions to score, and now he shot more in Toronto than he did last year, um, and we know that there are other roles for him to play uh, you know, sort of penalty kills a huge one. Uh, can he be a defensive conscience if he plays with JT Miller? Yeah, possibly. And so maybe they look there. But but I think there's absolutely a, a possibility. And if it is, you know, a, a legit open battle for that spot on the top line, if Mikheyev is fully healthy, if he gets, you know, this August to work up to speed so that he's, you know, ready to hit the ground running at training camp, then, yeah, I absolutely, I could see them going with Mikheyev, Kuzmenko, and Pedersen. I just don't like what that leaves behind, and that would be Beauvillier, Besser, and Miller, perhaps, or Garland, Miller, and Besser. You know, I I almost feel they'd be better having uh, sort of that defensive presence, the speed, the back-checking ability of Mikheyev with J.T. Miller. Uh, and we'll see how we're talking. You know, he, he, what he had... McKayev got shut down at the All-Star break that after that Columbus game. Uh, so we talk it, saw him for all three games and certainly not at anywhere close to to full health. So, you know, I think uh, there's going to be some learnings and some sort of getting to know you from the player and the coach and the coach and the player. Uh, but best case scenario is that Mikheyev is completely healthy. I mean, that surgery, reconstructive knee surgery, never routine. But boy, when you think of where we are now in 2023 with medicine and that like, it's a fairly commonplace injury that lots of guys do recover from. It's just a question of, can he get back to being the absolute speed burner? Because that's his meal ticket. And we just didn't really get a chance to see that from him because of the injury suffered in the preseason last year.
0: Well, not only that too, the PK, right? Like this is a guy that they has to improve their PK and God knows that it can only go up really uh, for the Vancouver Canucks for shorthanded goals in his final year. Uh, with the Maple Leafs in just 53 games. Didn't have one last year for the Canucks, but as we know, only got a chance to play uh, in 46 games. We'd love to hear from you guys too. If uh, you tell us who you think is going to be breakout candidates for the Canucks uh, this year, at rinkwidevan on Twitter. You can tweet at us. Also hit us up uh, in the inbox, seven seven eight four zero two ninety six eighty. 402 9680 Perhaps, though, you're going to be looking for a new car this summer, J-Pat. Hmm. I know where you should go. Check out applewood.ca because, buddy, it's all good.
1: At Applewood. and kids 17 and under can get in for 15. So bring the noise, fill the dome. Applewood Auto Group is celebrating 25 years of business, making the car business and our communities better. Applewood offers the best in-class experience, whether you're looking for a car, service, or to join our team. Come find out why it's all good at Applewood. Visit us online at applewood.ca today.
0: Let's take a look now at some attainable milestones from Canucks players. you got a
1: five-part series. Five-part series, (laughs) (laughs) J-Pat. Can can you tell it's the dog days of summer? Uh, Yeah, look, I I, I started out just kind of trying to figure out where Quinn Hughes could get. Like, how high could he climb this year? Uh, You know, all time within the Canucks franchise scoring ranks, both for defensemen and overall. And then from there, I was like, well, why stop at Hughes? Like, there were a bunch of guys that... uh, And this is part of the crazy thing, too, Andrew, is, like, you think of where the Canucks are in their competitive cycle, and we're looking at Quinn Hughes, who's just going to obliterate the record book. Elias Pedersen is with a bullet heading for the top five all-time in scoring. JT Miller could get there if he plays out this contract and is as productive or anywhere close to as productive as he's been uh, in his time as a Canuck. You know, Brock Besser, who knows what his future holds with the Canucks, but he's been around for a while. He's working his way up there as well. And so then I thought, you know what? Like well, it's summertime. There isn't a whole lot of news coming out of the Canucks, but people still want some content. So that was sort of the origin story of where it came from, and then it turned into a five-part series in this, you know, first week of August. Just something to, you know, remind people a little bit of, you know, yeah, the team hasn't had a ton of on-ice success, but individually. Like, we are looking right now at some of the greatest players in franchise history, and that's where you want to pull your hair out, that they haven't been able to surround them with the players necessary for this group to... A, make the playoffs, which is such a low bar in the grand scheme, but then be truly competitive. So, yeah, it was a five-part series at the Hockey News. If you haven't checked it out, uh, long weekend reading for you, uh, you can go find it there. And just like I was trying to have some fun with some numbers. Usually the numbers hurt. These ones don't. Um, And in some ways, there's some surprises as well. Maybe some categories uh, for players that you hadn't thought about, uh, you know, the way that they're climbing through the franchise record books as well.
0: Yeah, I do love me a good five piece, and this is a good five piece, by the way. Quinn Hughes, Elias Pettersson, J.T. Miller, Brock Besser, Thatcher Demko are the focus here. That is the thing. I'm glad you said this as well. That sort of jumped off the page to me as I went through uh, each individual article. Is that like this is this is a great like core here, and what have they done? Yeah, like they're gonna scratch this record book of the Canucks extensively. I know. But again what have they done so yeah that was the thing that jumped out to me the most when i was looking at but let's look at part one all right quinn hughes this is the guy that when it's all said and done and he's going to be here for a while because he's locked up yep. is going to be all over this record book so uh, what stood out to you for a reachable milestone or a prominent place in franchise history for quinn hughes
1: well and again it all started with hughes so i, I sometimes have to remind myself. This guy is twenty three years old. He turns twenty four in the opening week of the season, so it will be his twenty four year old season. But he's twenty three right now. He has a chance to slide into the top three in connects all time scoring by defenseman this coming season. Top three behind Edler and <laughs> Oland. the guy. I mean, it's a great it's a great mark, but it also says no, a lot. about Canucks I understand that. I know, the and, and that has to be noted without a doubt. But that's not on Quinn Hughes. I mean, you know. But it's just like a blink of an eye. this guy just started. I remember his debut when he came up and he played the five games after turning pro. It feels like yesterday. And here he is with a chance to slide into the top three. But beyond that, and again, he hasn't been here long. If he has another Quinn Hughes type season, like a 70-point season... He's going to move into top twenty-five in franchise scoring. Twenty-three years old. Yeah, I don't think <laughs> he's going to. He's all over the place. man.
0: What do, you, what do you think? What do you think is his? What do you think is going to be his high water mark for an individual season point total?
1: Well, if this team gets better and they surround him, and he has like a you know any sort of kind of a Devon Taves like partner uh, ever, um, I, I think somewhere in the eighties, I think he can get to, I, you know like Eric Carlson did stupid things last year in San Jose getting over 100 points. I, I don't see that. I mean, I look, I've learned not to bet against Quinn Hughes, but I, I think somewhere in the 80s is certainly possible. Uh, and again, if you can up the goal total, uh, you know, that would help too. So yeah, I, I, you know, we know that it's just a matter of time now. Like he's going to reel in Edler and Oland and the rest of them. But um, he will stand alone it's just a question of how quickly obviously it can't happen this year for him but uh, he can get as high as third in franchise history uh, when it comes to defenseman scoring before he's before the age of 25 which so if he is a you know a career Canuck. We give him 10 more years beyond his 25th birthday. Like, it will be crazy at the end to look back and see the separation between him and whoever is I mean, whoever's second may not be in the organization right now if he's still going to play for another 10 years as a Canuck. But uh, that's getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. We know that uh, he's under contract for four more years. So let's see how it all uh, works out here.
0: Yeah, he'll be here at least till the end of the 2027 season. However, we're not quite sure how long Elias Pettersson will be here for. And as we've seen over the uh, uh, little while, last little while here, like players are taking less years and looking at that salary cap and wondering how they can uh, properly leverage themselves as they move forward here. However, there are some milestones that EP40 can reach uh, already.
1: Yeah, and I think for me, the biggest one is that with another 100-point season, he can move past Bo Horvat. He would bump Bo Horvat out of the top 10. And Elias Pettersson, again, he's 24 now. He'll turn 25 in, in November. But, you know, and remember, like, he's played four and a half seasons because he had the one year where he played 26 games and then was shut down with the the wrist injury. So four and a half seasons by the end of his, you know, five and a half seasons, he can move into the top 10 all time. Now, he's basically a -a point-a-game guy, 323 points in 325 games, you know, if they can sign him long term, and he stays on that sort of pace. There are only six players in franchise history that have ever got to 500 points. There are only five players that ever got to 600 points. I mean, he is on track to, you know, be a thousand game, thousand point kind of guy and work his way into Daniel and Henrik territory uh, when all is said and done. Again, things can change, so don't want to you know, put the, the horse in front of the cart here. But he's done extraordinary things, and if he stays on that pace, a 100-point season this year, so if he backs up last year with another, Elias Pettersson at this time next year will be in the top 10 already in Vancouver Canucks franchise scoring. Three years, five years, eight years.
0: What's more likely for Elias Patterson on his next contract?
1: Uh, I think five. Uh, the more I think about it, uh, I, I could see him, uh, you know, kind of wanting to see how things start this year. If he sees some developments in the defense and the penalty kill and, you know, Thatcher Demko, Thatcher Demko, and all those types of things, I could see him getting some security, taking that off his mind for now And as we said, he's 24, so he turns 25 in November, a five-year extension, essentially to 30. Then he'd kind of be in that J.T. Miller territory where there'd still be another big contract waiting for him, but this wouldn't lock him in if the Canucks just spin their wheels and can't get out of neutral and and can't make the progress that he's looking forward to or for. So yeah, I I would say I, I could see him securing some money so that there's personal security there, but not tie himself to a max deal with the Vancouver Canucks.
0: Yeah. Him and Austin Matthews have uh, an opportunity to really sort of flip all of this on their head. You know, most guys just think that, Oh yeah, eight year deal at, you know, this price locked up, but it seems like these guys aren't thinking that way there right now. And also too, just as I explained earlier, like that salary cap being in such flux, like it's probably best for these guys in terms of their leverage to go a little bit lesser and, you know, see what they can get on the other side. There's always risk involved there, but as we've seen with Elias Pettersson, uh, it just looks like he's just going from strength to strength each and every year. Uh, JT Miller is on your list here. He's part three of your attainable milestones from Canucks players pieces. And one of the things I think that stands out to me the most to JT Miller, and I've said this before on past podcasts, he's second in franchise history in points per game behind Pavel freaking Bure. Like it's, it's an unbelievable stat for JT Miller. And I think that years from now, if it's, if it stays there, I think people would have a hard time guessing that it was JT Miller that is second amongst the Canucks in terms of points per game yeah
1: and, and look we just talked about Elias Pettersson we all speak so glowingly about Quinn Hughes and I pointed this out and I put the the stats in the JT Miller piece which was part three of the series nobody has scored more for the Canucks than Miller during his time here like Pettersson had the 26 game season where he had 21 points like that was almost a a lost year Miller of course had the 99 point season uh was at 80 last year um yeah, so like, in some ways, like, I know he's not the perfect player, uh, and there's some defensive warts and all that kind of stuff, but in four years, the guy has just been incredibly productive, uh, whether it's point per game or just raw point totals, and nobody. I mean, he has more points in his time here uh, than Elias Petterson and anybody else. He's gunning for a spot in the top 20 in franchise history in both goals and points, and I guess if there was one thing that kind of jumped out at me that i I, I mean, like watched him throughout his career here, uh, but I really had not thought about this. JT Miller has a chance to move into second in franchise history in overtime goals scored. If he scores three this season. Like Daniel Sedin stands alone. He's got the franchise record. I think he's at 16. Brendan Morrison's at nine. And then JT Miller and Sammy Salo are both at seven. So Sammy Salo? Yeah. Wow. Rocket from the point. But, you know, at three overtime goals, that's uh, eminently doable for JT Miller and he would be behind only Daniel Sedin uh, in that category as a Vancouver Canucks. So that one caught me off guard a little bit.
0: Yeah, I, I think with JT Miller, just the, the whole way it started with him, with the trade and everything and all the divide amongst people, whether they thought the trade was you know good for the Canucks at the time and whatnot. I mean, all he's done here is produce, though. Right. Like he's done his part since he's become a Vancouver Canuck. Now, some will argue that they haven't made it any team success. But in terms of JT Miller, like he's come in and done his part. You can still quibble, I guess, with the trade if you want. But, you yeah, know, like I said, second in franchise history in points per game right now. Second only Pavel Bure. Uh, Brock Besser definitely needs a, a, a breakout right now. I, I just he just needs some positive energy, something <laughs> for Brock Besser this year. And uh, this is a big season for him. It, it's It sort of depends on, you know, where you sort of see him. Like at some points this year, he might be a third line guy with the glut of wingers that they got.
1: Right. And so, you know, I point this out in the article too, that any tracking of Brock Besser comes with that strong caveat that at any moment, moment he could be moved. So, you know, as long as he's here, he is working his way up the franchise record book, but, that page can be turned in a hurry so let's see how that goes but um yeah not a surprise he's 26 now he'll turn 27 early in the new year Like he's a veteran now and on this roster uh you know Thatcher Demko was drafted before him but nobody has played more games as a Canuck than Brock Besser on the current roster so he is the, the old man uh in that regard now, he's two games away from 400, so providing he's here and doesn't suffer any kind of uh, preseason or training camp injury like he did last year in Whistler, uh, second night of the year, he'll get to 400 games for his career. And of course, all of those has, have come uh, as a member of the Vancouver Canucks. So he's working his way up there. Uh, he sits 25th in scoring right now. And just based on his rates and the kind of seasons, uh, you know, even if he has a 60 point year, it looks like top 20 is probably about as high as he can move this year. But still, like again, we're talking about, you know, Miller and Patterson probably going to be in the top five when all is said and done, uh, certainly in the top 10. And Brock Besser into the top 20. Like we're talking about absolute pillars of this franchise. And yet it takes us right back to the conversation that we had <laughs> yeah. a couple of moments ago.
0: Well, this guy here, I mean, all he does is his job, and that's Thatcher Demko. And, you know, you talked about the fact that he is the guy. Like, he is, if there's going to be a breakout candidate this season, you probably should circle uh, Thatcher Demko. But, I mean, what can he do? What
1: milestones
0: can he attain this year
1: uh, with a good season? Well, quite a few. And, And this surprises me a little bit, just because, like, you know, it doesn't feel like he's been the guy here for very long, and he hasn't. Like, you know, Markstrom, he was Markstrom's backup for a while. Um, and now, it, obviously, it's his net, and, and he's likely to play a lot. So, uh, you know, in the Canucks franchise history, only six goalies have appeared in more games than Thatcher Demko. So he's already seventh on the uh, all-time games played list. And by the end of the season, he could move as high as fourth on that list, depending on his workload, um, You know, he's 20 games behind Gary Smith, so he's going to get to 20 as long as he's healthy. He's 40 games behind Dan Cluche, 40 is certainly within reach. If he plays in 61 games, and that's that dicey range, I'm not sure a lot of people want him to play 61, but yeah. if he does, he's going to reel in Jacob Markstrom for fourth spot in franchise history behind only Richard Roeder, Kirk McLean, and Roberto Luongo. So, again, it kind of feels like Demko you know, he's just arrived on the scene. And by the end of this year, he could be fourth on that list. And when it comes to wins, um, you know, he's likely to pass Markstrom and Kluche this year. If he can have a 45-win season, and people would like to see that from Thatcher Demko, a 45-win season, he's going to match Richard Broder in a share of third place in franchise wins. Thatcher Demko could be as high as third, tied with Broder again, behind Luongo and Kirk McLean. So, you know just there's a couple there you know people have the one knock on Thacker Demko is he doesn't pitch shutouts and it's true he's had one shutout in each of the last three years he's got a a total of three for his career um he needs two more and that would get him into 10th in team history um but he's got some work to do. That's Yeah, that's an area, I mean, wins first, that, that's the priority. But you'd love to pitch a perfect game now and then, and he's been able to do it in one, once in each of the last three seasons. But, uh, yeah, for a goalie that's capable of taking over games, uh, a little surprising that uh, he is sitting just, you know, with three in his National Hockey League
0: career. Yeah, when it comes to shutouts, though, they're rare for the Vancouver Canucks. <laughs> I know. Well, yeah. <laughs> Asked Jacob so. Markstrom all about that. Took him forever to get his first one, but... uh we did rack up nine for Calgary, though, in the 2021 22 yeah. season there. But, uh, Yeah, you're right. Rare for the uh, Vancouver Canucks to get that, but not uh, when you throw out all these numbers with Thatcher Demko, like they don't surprise me with Demko. No, like with with Miller, they do because you're like, wow, holy, like it's again, I don't think people have really sort of properly grasped what JT Miller has done since he's been here. But I I don't think that uh, is the case with Thatcher Demko. I think a lot of people understand, appreciate maybe those numbers jump off a little bit because of the short stint that he has been here. Uh, But uh, again, when it comes to Thatcher Demko, I think a lot of people have a lot of faith in him being the guy to ride the Canucks, uh, hopefully back to the promised land. We'll have to see. But uh, check it out over at the Hockey News. Five piece there uh, from J-Pat on the milestones that are attainable for Canucks players this year. Perhaps a milestone in your life could be getting a mortgage, J-Pat. You know who to go to. Jason Hominick at jason.mortgage.
1: Yeah, we tell you every episode here on Wide that uh, if you are in the market, uh, if you're looking to purchase home or you've got a mortgage already, but it's up for renewal or is going to be up for renewal, do yourself a favor, don't go it alone. Uh, enlist the help of a professional and Jason Jason Mortgage. Uh, That's what we call him around here. Jason Hominick at Jason.Mortgage. He is our mortgage guy uh, here on RinkWide. So uh, he's there. He's waiting to help. He's a phone call away. All of his contact info available on his website. And look, these are uncertain times right now in the housing market. So again, you're not expected to have all the answers. He's the pro. He does. And he is there to help. Jason Hominick at Jason.Mortgage. and kids 17 and under can get in for 15. So bring the noise, fill the dome.
0: The quite Vancouver is presented by Bodog, Canada's home for casino games and sports odds. where everyone goes to play. Let's head over to Bodog and let's play perhaps. On some of these lines. We've got NHL lines, JPAT, for the start of the season, which is incredible for uh night one there's three games that night nashville's in- that is
1: incredible because most of the teams
0: don't even yeah, have their lines exactly. sorted out
1: for opening
0: night exactly but bodog bodog ahead of the game hey if you're one of those nhl insiders you think you got a scoop maybe you want to get in on this but uh nashville is going to be in tampa chicago is going to be in pittsburgh of course bedard uh making his nhl debut against Sid the kid can you still call him a kid and uh, the Kraken and are in Vegas that night. Uh, the Golden Knights will hang a banner that night. I'm going cir- to circle in here on the Blackhawks and Penguins right now. If you believe the Hawks can win this one, they're at plus 175, minus 210 uh, for the Pittsburgh Penguins. No prop bets just yet, j So we'll have to wait on those ones for that game. But if I'll throw this one out to you. Would you take Sydney and Connor to score on
1: opening night. Ooh. Parlay them together. Star power I like it. Uh Sid by the way, yeah, I mean he'll be a 36-year-old kid after the long after the long weekend here. Uh, yeah, his birthday's coming up, birthday number 36 for Sidney Crosby. Uh opening night, why not? Like uh, yeah, I mean Sid's been doing it throughout his career. Connor Bedard's going to make a a career of it. Uh, he's going to score and he's going to score a bunch, so why not on opening night? Uh, yeah, I kind of like that. Uh, I mean, talk about best interest for the NHL and the highlight shows and everything else. If those guys go off on opening night head to head, that's a big time win for the league, regardless of who comes out on top in that hockey game. I like the crack
0: in that plus one hundred and fifty to upset the VGK on their banner night. Those guys might be celebrating a little bit too much that <laughs> night and have the focus still there. the carryover <laughs> from. Yeah, you know, you never know. Yeah, uh, Sven Berchi. The ex Canuck hanging him up, just 32 or 30 years old, was playing uh, over in Switzerland, 10 years in the NHL, of course, six with Vancouver, 225 games played as a Canuck. But Sven Berchi is hanging him up, J-Pat.
1: Yeah, sad story to see a guy have to uh, call it a career at the age of 30. Uh, played in his hometown in Bern. Uh, didn't do a whole lot in the Swiss League. Look, his career took a turn for the worse that night in Vegas. I was there when I was out traveling and covering the Canucks. Guy by the name of Thomas Hika got him with the, just an unnecessary, totally preventable headshot. Like Hika played 20, I looked this up, he played 27 games in the NHL. He had two penalty minutes. Uh, none on that play that went unpenalized. It wasn't a dirty player, but that was a dirty play. And it wasn't him skating the length of the ice and launching himself in a blind side. It was in the neutral zone and he just reached out and he popped Berchi in the side of the head with his elbow, but clearly enough to, you know, rattle Berchy and unfortunately cause brain injury that he really never recovered from. And, you know, you look back, and I did, when the news came out, that Sven Merci and Willie Desjardins' final year as head coach of the Canucks, and I know a lot of people have tried to forget that entire era, Sven Merci finished third on the Canucks in goals with 18, and fourth on the team in scoring with 35 points. 35 points was fourth on the Canucks in scoring in Willie D's final year. Andre Kuzmenko was fourth on the team last year in scoring with seventy-four points. So they've upped the depth at the top end a fair bit, but again, it's still not amounting to a whole lot for them. But like, look for Sven Berchie, uh, It was tough. He's, he was a good dude. Uh, I always enjoyed my dealings with him. Um, you know, he was a high draft pick. I think he was thirteenth overall by Calgary in twenty eleven. Uh, Canucks traded a second rounder, Jim Benning, back not trying to get ahead on the age curve and get guys that were a little bit established. And, um, you know, Berchie had skill. There was no doubt about it. But, you know, the Canucks decided at some point that they wanted to go with heavy skill. I remember Benning using that term. And Berce had some deficiencies defensively, but that team couldn't score. And he had three straight seasons of 14 to 18 goals. Again, not going to blow you away. He. Translated that into a three-year, ten million-dollar contract, and it kind of felt like the organization awarded him the contract and then held it against him And it also felt like it got personal after a while with both Travis Green and Jim Benning and the you know the heavy skill thing. And you know, the, you look back at the rosters from those seasons and think of some of the guys that got chances and played ahead of them, and then you know they sent him down to Utica, and by all accounts, he was just the consummate pro down there you know, didn't say a word, didn't complain, tried to help the young guys and just couldn't ever get another sniff with this organization. A little ironic that he ended up going to Vegas. Um, you know, that's where he was hurt. and His career sort of ended. And he played one game for the Vegas Golden Knights, played for their farm team in Henderson, and then decided to leave North America, go back to Switzerland one year. And, you know, I, I just, I hope that, He's a 30-year-old man with a young family and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, lots of life to live. But, uh, yeah, end of the line for Sven Berchi. Uh, As far as a professional hockey player is concerned, we'll see if hockey is any part of his uh, life here moving forward. Yeah, the thing
0: about Sven Berchi, too, is that uh, he played in the original uh, AHL stop in Abbotsford as a member of the Abbotsford Heat there as well. And uh, I believe he was with Green in the Portland Winterhawks organization as well. Could be wrong about that one, but uh, there was definitely some history there uh, with Sven Baertschi. I think a lot of people really look at the trade, though, right? And the fact that that draft pick that went the other way to the Calgary Flames is producing for the Flames right now in Rasmus Anderson. And of course, you know, needing those to right shot defensemen—that's something that's eluded the Canucks for many, many years. Well, how would you like a fifty-point guy? because that's what he does now as a member of the Calgary Flames and Rasmus Anderson. But yeah, again, Sven Berchi probably didn't reach the heights that he could have reached as an NHL player, and a lot of that had to do uh, with injury, and unfortunately, uh, he had to cut his career short. So Sven Berchi retiring from pro
1: hockey at the age of 30. Travis Green came to Portland after Berchi. They were both after? Yeah, both in the Winterhawks organization, but Berchi, I believe, had moved on to pro hockey by the time that Travis... Uh, Got there. I, at least as the head coach, I stand to be corrected if uh, there was a little bit of overlap.
0: Yeah, Berchi, twenty ten to twenty twelve, he was there. So okay. Anyway, yeah, yeah, he was an assistant with him. Anyway, a little bit of history there between Greener and Sven Berchi. All right, so uh happy retirement to Sven Berchi, and uh, happy I hope so. retirement to uh, yeah. yeah, oh yeah, of course, of course. Especially with head injuries like that, it's just always tough. But uh, happy retirement to this podcast. For another week, JPAT.
1: Oh, I thought this was it for the. I thought we were retiring the podcast. No. no, no. Just, just, just this episode. This week. Just, just this, week. this episode. Yes. All right. Okay. Be sure to
0: head over to the Hockey News. Check out JP, JPAT's uh, five pieces he's got up there. And uh, so for some articles that are going to be coming out as the season starts to ramp out. Because as you said right at the start of this podcast, <laughs> you can smell it. Hockey is in the air. All right. This has been another edition of the Rinkwide Wide Vancouver podcast presented by Bodog for Jeff Patterson. I'm Andrew Wadden. I'm Brink Wadd. is the show.